You're listening to the Wobcast with the one and only, the legendary, the insurmountable Wobby. Hey everyone, welcome back. It's another edition of the Wobcast. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw at TCO Performance Center, joined as always by co-host and producer Chris Corso. We are here to talk a little Vikings football and to wish you all a happy 4th of July. What's up, Chrissy? What's going on? Whoever's listening to this Wobcast on July 4th week, yeah. man, we more power to you. Yeah, man. Dedicated fans. Love we it. appreciate it. Um, and we thank you, and we're going to deliver for you because we have a pretty cool show. It is not a long show um, because it's... Um, um, it's going to include a really cool interview uh, that has already happened that we want to share with you from my time filling in for Voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, on his 9 to noon radio show on FM 100.3 KFAN here in Minneapolis. So we're going to get you to that interview with Ross Tucker here in a moment. But uh, Chris, as we sit here on, on the 4th of July, it's hard to believe, man, but training camp? It's right around the corner. It's right around the corner, and obviously it's going to be a different scene at Vikings training camp. We're going to be right here at the TCO Performance Center um, looking out at that stadium every yep. day, that that huge stadium with a huge screen, um, tons of seating for fans and stuff like that, and just a cool concourse area by the yep. TCO Performance Center. Man, it's going to be a fun couple weeks here out at the Vikings facility. That's right. So um, you want to take part in the action, Vikings fans. Trust us. You want to be here for training camp, and you can do that by going to vikings.com slash training camp. Get your tickets to Verizon Vikings training camp. General admission tickets are free. You can also purchase reserve tickets at vikings.com slash training camp. No matter which option you choose, the free GA tickets or the reserved uh, tickets that cost, make sure you get that parking pass as well. That's only $10. You can get all that on vikings.com. Make sure you go there so you can join the fun at 2018 Verizon Vikings training camp. Also in today's show, we're going to get to some fan mail, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But now we're excited to have you listen to an interview that we did with Ross Tucker from earlier in the offseason. He's a former NFL offensive lineman for the Redskins, Bills, Cowboys, and Patriots. Now he's a host of Sirius NFL. He's a host on Sirius NFL Radio. He calls NFL games for Westwood One on the radio and also college games for NBC Sports Network. He's also a great guy. He joined me a couple of weeks ago when I was filling in for PA on 9 to noon on 100.3 FM KFAN here in Minneapolis. So let's take a listen to that Ross Tucker interview as we talk offensive line. Wabi and Nordle filling in for PA on the fan, talking all sorts of fun stuff today. Lots. We've turned the sports abyss into the sports oasis. We're talking everything, but now it's it's time to get into the wheelhouse. It's time to get in to the bread and butter of today's version of nine to noon. That's football. Football always wins, Wabi. It does, and it's going to win today, and it's going to win this segment because we're going to bring in another person who will be on the show today who knows way more about football than yours truly. And Nordo. His name is Ross Tucker. And uh, I really enjoy listening to Ross. Um, and you can catch Ross a lot of different ways on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. He's a host on Sirius NFL radio, but he's also got a bunch of podcasts. The Ross Tucker football podcast is like the flagship podcast 
that Ross does, but he also does one on sports gambling, fantasy football, and he does one on the college draft. But now, right now, today, we're going we're gonna to ask him to get a little myopic, get a little tunnel vision, and focus in on the Vikings. So we bring in Ross right now to help us talk about the Vikings, the offensive line, Mike Zimmer, a bunch of fun stuff. Hey, Ross, it's Wobby, Mike Wabshaw, and it's Eric Nordo on the fan. Thank you for joining us. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Wabi fellas. Thanks for having me. Let's let's do it. Let's get myopic. Okay, we are. We're going to do that. And you know, Ross, the Vikings were 13 and three last year, as you know, and they have a roster that is that's basically coming back. Uh, obviously, Kirk Cousins is new. Uh, other than that, the core of this roster is coming back. So people generally feel really good about their favorite team here in Minnesota. But the one concern I do get from fans is that of the offensive line. And to spin it positively, I remind them that we have five guys coming back who started seven games or more last year, blah, 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 and I go through. But from your perspective, someone who keeps an eye on the entire league, your thoughts on the Vikings' offensive line, what they've done this offseason, and maybe how they project to play in 2018. Well, I, I tend to agree with your listeners and the Vikings fans. I think they have, for the most part, a beautiful roster. I think that they are one of the favorites, if not the favorite, in the NFC. Uh, but the one concern I have as well is the offensive line. Because not only, you know, they, they were solid last year, but they weren't like a top five unit. Mm-hmm. like you see from some of the other teams like the Philadelphia Eagles. And then they've got a bunch of guys coming off of injuries, you know, Easton and Elfline and these guys, and they don't really have proven depth behind them. A little, I'm a little bit surprised by that. I know they took Brian O'Neill in the second round. That was intriguing to me because O'Neill was thought of as a guy with a lot of athletic ability who needed some seasoning. You know, he needed – some time to get there. So they didn't draft Brian O'Neill, I don't think, with the idea of him helping to provide that depth this year, although he might have to do that. I think they they took him with the idea that he would he would be one of the tackles uh down the line a mm-hmm. little bit. You know, I know Rashad Hill got some some time last year, but especially in the interior, um you look the right guard position sort of a question mark and then even just the depth in the interior is a question mark, which is surprising when you you have guys like Easton and Elfline coming back from injury. I'm a little surprised yeah. that they're they're not better suited up front than they are. Hey Ross, speaking of Brian O'Neill, the second round pick for the Minnesota Vikings, you know you, the the O line has evolved over time. At one point, it was just get you know a guy that is as big and strong as humanly possible, and now it seems like there's a bit of a sea change where you're seeing guys like O'Neill coming into the league. And you love the focus on his athleticism and some things he can do. Uh, what are you gaining from the from the athlete at that position versus what are you sacrificing? Uh, looking in particular, maybe a guy like Brian O'Neill. So what, what I think is happening, and it's at every level of football. The NFL is no different, but the game is getting more open. It's getting more spread. There's more passing. So a premium is being placed more and more on guys that are able to A, pass protect, and then B, be able to get to second-level blocks you know, in open space, right? Screen passes, things like that. Even getting down and picking up a block you know, when you throw a check down, things like that. 
And I think that that's where Brian O'Neill comes in. I think, you know, if you look at it, there aren't a whole lot of offensive linemen really knocking defensive linemen back, you know, really physically dominating them. It's become more about zone blocking schemes, more about these RPOs, and that really becomes more, like I said, about athleticism. And so I think that the Vikings looked at O'Neal as a guy that had as good of athleticism as any offensive tackle in the draft. I mean, he's a better athlete, I I would say, than Mike McGlinchey, who was a top-ten pick. And I think that they felt like they could work with him to utilize athleticism to make him an outstanding pass protector and also a guy that could be a real asset in the run game on the backside of zone plays or even stretching those zone plays on the front side. I mean, I, you know, I, I think if somebody asked me my advice for offensive linemen for this year, I think I'd tell them all to lose five, 10 pounds. Yeah. You know, I mean, you'd rather be quicker and more athletic, I think, in today's game than have a little bit more girth to you. Yeah, Ross, I mean, you you played um, in in the NFL, so you've been in the room, you know, with other offensive linemen. You've seen guys come in who were elite prospects taken in the first round. You've seen guys come in who were late-round picks or undrafted and develop. If you take away, like Mike, you mentioned Mike McGlinchey, Ross. Like, he's going to come in, and he's going to play right away, and he's probably going to be good. I mean, he was a a top five or ten pick. But so take away those caliber of linemen. And I'm talking about mid-round guys. Danny Isadora for us from the University of Miami coming into his second year as an example. Brian O'Neill taken this year in the second round, sort of a fringe example. When should we expect an offensive lineman to quote-unquote get it? When does it click for a non-elite prospect offensive lineman at the NFL level? Well, it depends on their experience in college, and not everybody is always going to be ready Um, at the same time, but I I would say in their second year, you should see significant progress. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my rookie year, I was fortunate to make the team and I did some positive things, but I was just happy to kind of make the team, right? My second year I came back and I was like, no, I I did this for a year. I know what I'm doing. I'm I'm as good as these guys. I'm, I'm going to try to start. I think I should start. I felt like there was a huge difference for me primarily in confidence and understanding of the pro game and what was being asked of me between year one and year two. I think a lot of guys will agree with that. So I would think most guys would be ready to go by year two, or they should make that big stride by year two. The, the, the guys that are the outliers would be a guy like Jason Peters, who was a teammate of mine, in Buffalo, you know, in most of his first year, he was a tight end. So then the second year, when they moved to offensive tackle, he was like the best pass blocker I've ever seen, but he still wasn't always picking up the right blitzes, wasn't always blocking the right guy, and you couldn't actually put him into a game at that point. So it took him towards the end of his second year before they really felt comfortable having him start. Um, and so there are guys that have – extenuating circumstances that it might not be until the third year, but I would say in general, it should be second year. If you're not seeing any progress second year, that's a bad sign. So with extenuating circumstances, one thing I've always wondered, Ross, and and we're talking with Ross Tucker here, uh, seven, was it seven seasons in the NFL, Ross? 
Yeah, set six account for my pension and stuff. So I went to, but I went to seven training camps. So I'm saying seven darn years. Hell yeah! <laughs> uh, but one thing I've always wondered is, you know, the, it feels like sometimes that it's not necessarily in the NFL because the Vikings aren't the only team that need O line help. Uh, that it isn't always the depth of talent issue as maybe the function of the coaching and individuals matching up with that coach, that squad, and that scheme. Uh, do you see anything like that where, you know, the, the talent is there, but sometimes, you know, the guy that's in charge of putting it all together, uh, that guy's part of either the, the benefit or the issue that exists on the O-line? Yeah, and I would even add to that a couple of different things. Number one, the quarterback can have a major impact on that. I mean, I, I've seen guys that I thought were average linemen get – a lot of money because they didn't get their quarterbacks very hit very often, primarily because the quarterback got rid of the ball so soon. I mean, I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be a, a, an offensive lineman when Peyton Manning was an Indy. I mean, he, even if he got beat clean, he'd see it and still get rid of the ball and not get hit. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. So I think the quarterback has a lot to do with it. But I, I think another point that, that you made is that what's unique about offensive linemen, and I thought that the Vikings were actually a pretty good example of this last year, is that more than any other position, it's really about the sum of the parts rather than the individuals. You know, I don't know. I mean, I think Elfline probably has a chance to be a Pro Bowl caliber player, but the other guys really aren't. And you might tell me that Riley, you've been to one or something, but they're they're really not. They're not, they're really not considered top ten guys at their position. I don't know that they ever would be, but as a unit last year, they were really effective. As a group, they were really effective. So there are some O lines where it's you know like the Cowboys, and they got three guys that might be the best at their position. But you can get by, you know, the Patriots and some of these other teams, um, even to a lesser extent, maybe the, the Steelers, although DeCastro and Pouncey are pretty good. But you can get by with a group that they're not a top five talent group, but they play that way. And I think a lot of times you'll see that in the offensive line that are about six through 12 in the league where I know that there are talent evaluators that look at them individually and they scratch their head and they're like, how are these guys good? He's not that good. He's not that good. He's not that good. I wouldn't want that guy. And yet when they play, their team averages four and a half yards to carry and the quarterback never gets hit because those guys play. It reminds me of like when the Giants were good and they had guys like Soybert um, and Sean O'Hara yes, and, yes. you know, David Deal and those guys. I mean, they just had a, a really good group that cared about each other and worked together. It was really it was really fun for me to watch. Yeah, they had Kareem McKenzie, you know, who's not a household name, but he was out there on an island playing tackle, right? I mean, uh, you're right. They did work well as a group. Ross, are you analyzing games this fall, radio or TV? I am, yeah. It's still kind of uh, TBD. Which games? I'll definitely be doing some games for Westwood One. Um, I'm hopefully going to be doing a bunch of college games, actually. Uh, but yeah, man. I mean, I I love it. I I think I've gone like seven or eight years where I've I've been a color commentator for at least twenty games. So yeah. to me, it's like I always show up, and I'm worried that someone is going to. Someone's going to realize that this is those whole things a scam where I get paid money to go to football games and talk about it. But 
No one's, no one's, the gig hasn't been up yet, so I'm going to keep it going as long as I can. Well, I remember last winter you did the Vikings game at Lambeau when we shut out the Packers, and it was awesome. But you, you had like an amazing run of games where you were driving and traveling everywhere, doing like one or one game a night for like three straight nights, didn't you? Yeah, it was great. I remember, I remember, um, yeah, I remember one time I did the Army Navy game, and then I, which was in the snow, and then I drove to Buffalo, and it was that crazy Colts Bills snow game. Yeah, that's right. So I was at like I set a world record for uh, back-to-back football games attended from a snow volume standpoint. Yeah, there's just no way there was more. And then even you know, like during the playoffs, I, I was on sideline for the Eagles and the Falcons. Then I hopped in the my truck with Tony Baselli. And we drove out to Pittsburgh from Philly, and I was the color commentator yeah. for the Jags and the Steelers. So <laughs> it's cool, man. I mean, I, like I said, I they asked me to do a game. If there's any way I can feasibly get there, I do it because you know, and it is a lot of travel, like away from the family. But I mean, you know, it's only what four or five months. Not like it's some of these other sports where it's forever. Four or five months, and I I go all in, and I love it. I, I like I love seeing you at the games and. Um, I've got a chance to do – last year I did that Viking Saints opener, which was awesome yep. too. Well, you like us because we got Ivy League connections, and you're an Ivy Leaguer. We got Kevin Stefanski. I, I'm into that. You right. got the quarterback coach. Yep. You got um, Nick obviously Nick Easton at left guard. It's really amazing, by the way. Like, I, 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 I don't think I ever would have thought Nick Easton, he's going to be um, – and NFL starter. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I, I think Nick Easton's like the Ross Tucker of now because I'm pretty confident people looked at me when I was at Princeton and said, that guy's not going to be an NFL player. And then, you know, my second, third, and fourth years, I'm starting a bunch of games. So yep. he's on a similar similar career path. He's also been traded a couple times. So he's trying to follow in my footsteps, I guess. Not bad footsteps to follow, by the way. Last thing we got to go, Ross, but um, I hear that you are my hookup for my for next year's guys weekend which I do every year with my college friends you're my hookup you know why we've, Ball cannon? yes we've always wanted to bring a jugs machine up to guys weekend to try and catch punts in the snow but we don't need a jugs machine do we no, dude, ballcannon.com. I'm not even going to go into a big spiel about it. Just go check out the videos over at ballcannon.com. I think six, we're going to get the Vikings to get one. I think five or six NFL teams have one now, but not the Vikings. It's like the Jets, the Bears, the Seahawks, the Dolphins. The, the Vikings have to get one of those. It's awesome. Like, my kids love it. Everybody that's ever, I'm going to a festival tomorrow where it'll be there. Mm-hmm. The Lions will be like 20 kids deep. The entire time. Anytime I've ever been around it, people love it of all ages. You just got to check out. Trust me. If you're driving, just make a note (laughs) or type in your browser, ballcannon.com, watch the videos, see how awesome it is, and then know that it's even like 20 times better when you actually see it in person. It's incredible. I'm sold, and now I want my video for Guys Weekend 2019 to be up on ballcannon.com next year, okay? Nice. I love it. <laughs> All right, Ross. Thanks for your expertise and your time. Appreciate you having uh, or you joining us. You're busy. You got tons of podcasts. You're great on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. Everyone, check him out. Thank you, Ross. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. See you guys. All right. See you. 
All right, Chrissy, fun to listen to Ross Tucker. Obviously, the guy knows what he's talking about. He talks for a living, but he also played offensive line before uh, he started doing radio. So super cool to listen to him and hear his opinion on the offensive line and some other areas of the Vikings. And I guess that will take the place of um, our normal segment that we're going to do on every Wobcast going forward as we try to guess the Vikings starting offensive line in week one. That That's will right. fill. We'll, we, we got to hear Ross Tucker's opinion. So uh, that'll fill that void for this Wobcast. Kind of cool to hear him talk about us. Yeah, he's a really, really smart guy. Obviously, you, you noted that he was a former NFL offensive lineman. I'm um, just hearing his podcast. He's got one of the yeah. most popular NFL podcast these yeah. days, and um, you try to model some of the things that he does um, for, for the Wildcast here. And um, like we said, we went over our starting offensive line for the Vikings last week. We kind of both gave our predictions, and it's cool to hear him give some of his insight. And, man, is he smart when it comes to just yep. schemes of football and knowing what's going on, especially on the offensive end. So, Yeah, pretty cool. So um, uh, glad you all got to got a chance to listen to that as well. Again, you can catch uh, Ross Tucker on Twitter, at Ross Tucker NFL, and, uh, and on Sirius NFL Radio every day as well. All right. Let's close out this Wobcast, Chrissy, with some fan mail. Yep, we're going to get to the three fan mail questions here. Some loaded questions from the fans, and that's good to see, especially on a slow week at the Vikings facility. So let's go with the first one from Jack Gogan. Um, two years ago, the Vikings relied on all three phases of the game to win, but it was mainly the defense. Last year, we had the number one defense, but our offense was much improved from previous years. Do you think this year to make it to the final dance, we will need something? We will need scoring from the defense and special teams like we relied on a few years back. Um, if so, what players do you think will step up and get us points that aren't on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, good point by Jack. You know, um, no return touchdowns. For the Vikings special teams in 2017, Chris. Uh, that's that was shocking. It's different, to see. yeah. yeah. For, first time I believe under Mike Zimmer that we haven't had a return touchdown on kickoffs or punts. In fact, entering last season, the Vikings led the NFL in special teams touchdowns since wow. Mike Prefer joined our team in 2011. Yeah. So, uh, and Prefer led special teams groups have scored 26 times in Prefer's career. So, um, big plays are a big part of Mike Prefer's special teams. The Vikings didn't have a return touchdown last year. Pretty odd. I do think that will change. Also, the Vikings defense only 23rd in takeaways last year. For a defense that was basically the best in the NFL in yards and points, kind of surprising that they were 23rd in takeaways. So um, I think that Jack makes a good point that um, scoring a miscellaneous touchdown, a defensive touchdown, or a return touchdown uh, would give this team a little bit of a boost and was maybe uh, what was a really, really good team that went 13-3 and was maybe one thing you can nitpick about this team is not scoring some of those odd touchdowns. Yeah, and you can really note on the way that the Vikings offense took care of the ball. I mean, the turnover ratio was just unbelievable for yeah. the Vikings throughout the season. So that was a positive. Um, but what about the man that we drafted in the first round, yeah. who is a cornerback, but Mike Hughes um, had experience in college, and he looked real comfortable returning, uh, catching punts and kicks yep. um, so far this offseason. So watch out for him. Yeah, I agree with you, Chris. You know, And Jack asked, you know, who are some players who can step up and get us some points, You know, not on offense? And I think you've named a good one, Chris, with Mike Hughes. I'll throw a few others. How about Stacy Coley? That's right. He could be a returner, maybe. Um, Anthony Barr and Trey Wayne's on defense. You know, I think those two guys are athletic enough and are in positions to record those splash plays. Barr because he's an outside linebacker who can do everything. Yep. Um, and Zim is not afraid to use him in a lot of different ways. And then Trey Wayne's because he's going to get a lot of targets. Teams are not going to throw at Xavier. That's right. They're going to throw at Trey. 
let's let's pick one off and take it to the house. That's really smart to say. A lot of people would be like, "Oh, Xavier Rhodes. Why how do you not say Xavier Rhodes?" Because they don't throw at Xavier yeah. Rhodes. They're throwing the other way, and that's Trey Waynes, who is one of the fastest players in the NFL, in my opinion. He's mm-hmm. quick, very um, agile on defense, and I, I definitely look forward to to yep. seeing him make some plays. And then, how could you not note Daniel Hunter? I mean, yeah. I, th- I I just think like he yeah he's, he's he caused some safeties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's caused just some fumbles. He's picked up a fumble. Yeah, I, I, he's just a, a, a man amongst boys. It looks like sometimes, like, like you know, when when we played video games and we played Madden and you created a player. Yeah, like if you were <laughs> going to create a defensive end, like it's Daniel Hunter. I agree. That's who you would like <laughs> six five or six whatever he is, and the way he's built, and I, yeah, I mean that, that that's like you know that's who he's he's create a player on Madden that that's who Daniel Hunter is well a few weeks ago when um, Mike Zimmer had his conference call after Daniel Hunter uh, had his contract extension one of the reporters asked so uh, the long arms and the the big upper body is is that what you what you would like to see out of your edge rusher and and Zimmer laughed and said yeah he's perfect <laughs> and he <laughs> yeah. and he laughed and he's like yeah and he com- compared him to DeMarcus Ware a little bit after that yeah. so um yeah I'd say he's he's yeah. built like a creative player yeah pretty cool Okay, we're going to the next one. All right, and the next one is from Josh Imset from Whittier, California. Mm-hmm. How does Zimmer work on getting the players acclimated for away games? I've heard of other coaches like Sean Payton using coaching techniques like blasting loud crowd noise with speakers during practice, which made me wonder what Zimmer does to prepare our boys for the games on the road. Mm-hmm. Listening to the Wobcast helps... Get me through the work nights. Keep up the good stuff. That's uh-huh. awesome to hear, Josh. That is awesome. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, you know every team uses crowd noise, Chrissy. Um, that that's nothing you know unique to the Saints or to us. You know we do that. Every team uses crowd noise. But a few other things that coaches can do in practice to get their teams ready for games. You know, um, for for practices during the week. You know, the defense wears purple or white, and the offense wears the other color, right? Yep. And, and the way they do that is if you are on the road, you're going to be wearing your white uniforms, right, your white jerseys. Yep. So you have your offense practice in the color you're going to wear during the game. So the quarterback gets used to seeing the right color. That, that's, that's how that works. That's smart. Okay, that's one thing you can do. Um, Zimmer would practice outside. Uh, even in the winter, when if, it's we, freezing. if we were going to play, yeah, if we were going to play a game outside, so you got a, a game at Lambeau or Soldier Field in December. Zim's having them practice outside. That's right. Uh, the week of that game, and then the last thing I, w- I would point out is specialists. If we have a home game, at, you know, at US Bank Stadium, the specialists go to the stadium to practice yep. to, to kick and punt. If we have uh, a game at Soldier Field, they're going to stay here at the facility and kick outside and punt outside. So those are a couple of things that coaches can do to kind of get their team ready for the environment they're going to face on Sunday. And it's awesome you point those things out because most people don't even realize some of those yeah. things. They don't even realize that the color of the jerseys and mm-hmm. just the little details. Coach yeah. Zimmer goes over. I feel like he's not leaving a box unchecked. No. no, he's done this for 30 years, man. He, he's he got everything, um, you know, everything dialed in and, and done the way he wants it to be done based on his experience. Number three and the final question from Jerry. Love all the content VN brings to us Vikings fans, but I am curious to what it takes to get our team on all or nothing or hard knocks. Truly don't want the distraction for the team, but the insight from these shows for fans is astonishing. Yeah. Keep up the great work and skull. You know what? I, I agree with Jerry. Like, I think whenever you see a team on all or nothing or hard knocks, you come away impressed with everything about that team. Yep. 
you come away impressed with the organization, with the personnel, with the coaches, the players, the PR. You come away impressed with everything about that team because the networks that are creating that show, they want the team to look good so that another team will want them to do it next year. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, so I do, I do think um, that some teams are turned off because of the distraction. But I've heard so many times that you know people from teams who have done it, they say like you barely even know they're there. Yeah, it was a distraction at first, but after the first couple of days, barely ever even even knew they were there. So, you know, I, I respect that coaches and GMs sometimes don't want to do it, but I think the teams that do it, they look so good. They really look so good. I mean, some of these all that all or nothing show, uh, one of the biggest, best television, any sports television I've ever seen was that. Arizona Cardinals against Green Bay Packers game. Yeah. Um in in one of the playoff games and you get you you get the GM box, you get the wives yep. of the players, yes. you get and you see the play on the field happen and um and you see the Packers lose, which yeah. got to throw like. that in there. Yep. Um but just seeing some of the plays in that game, Larry Fitzgerald scoring the game-winning touchdown, whatever it was. Um just some of the insight you get from all angles, whether it's family, friends, um front office staff, coaches on the sideline, players, it's just that was like one of the best scenes I've ever seen in sports television. So, um, yeah, I'd love to see us on there one year, especially to show off this brand new facility. Oh, yeah, there you go. Brand new facility, really cool stadium, yeah. good team, fun head coach. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be awesome. Put but, Minnesota on the map. Plus, then maybe you and I would be on HBO. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, or, or Amazon Video, whatever, yeah. either one. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, that's it for fan mail. That's it for the Wobcast. Anything else we got to get through? I think that's it. We've covered a lot in the past two weeks. Uh, it's really an off time here at the TCO yeah. Performance Center, but um, seeing some deals get done, um, just covering it all here on the Wobcast, it's, it's been a lot of fun. So It has been. We hope everyone had a good um, 4th of July holiday, and we hope you all have a good rest of the weekend. Weekend, we'll be back uh, with another edition of the Wobcast very soon. As always, we thank you for listening, and I thank producer and co-host Chris Corso for an awesome job. That's going to do it for this edition of the Wobcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch you next time.